Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap. A little bit of a false start there, but we're all systems go now. And uh, joining me tonight, as usual, is Macca. How are you going, Mac? Oh, quite miserable, mate. So disappointed <laughs> with that effort. A little yeah. bit down on it. Yeah, yeah, no, I can understand. Welcome to everyone on the Spreaker chat and joining us on Facebook and also uh, on YouTube. Uh, hope you enjoy the next hour or so. It's only me and Mac tonight. Uh, Nicky's uh, somewhere in Geelong and forgot to tell us, but that's okay, Nick. Don't worry about it. It's all good. We don't mind. Uh, anyway, mate, uh, before we get into the scores, what a, what a tale of two halves that game was. Well, yeah, it, well, it, it was just a shocker, wasn't it? Because um, any team that's going, it's got their scene at scene 33 points up, uh, should go on and win a game. And mm-hmm. I know that uh, the way the AFL football is, is played these days, if teams get momentum, well, then uh, they can pick that up quite quickly. Mm. And that's exactly what happened. But unfortunately, it was us that provided the change of momentum with the Talia. Yeah. And I've had a lot of goes in the past uh, at Hardigan for brain fades, but that was the brain fade of all times. He chose to go from a pocket to the centre-half forward where we had one man against two when we should have been long down the line. And unfortunately, he followed that up with a couple of other bloomers after that. And so I think single-handedly um, changed the momentum. Now, I see in the chat they say the umpires uh, changed momentum. And look... <laughs> They did join in the party, there's no doubt about that, but we were still <laughs> our own, own worst enemies. Yeah, and, that's um, very true. Very and, true. We, and then in the midfield too, we started getting cleaned up yeah. in the midfield. Anyway, before we get into all of that, let's uh, round up the score, shall we? Um, I don't know about you, Macca, but my tipping sucked this week. Sucked, sucked, sucked. Let's get into it. On Friday night, we had uh, Collingwood getting over the top of a uh, spirited Sydney side, actually. Uh, Probably one of the better games Sydney's played, I reckon, so far this season. Uh, But Collingwood getting up in the end 80-73 to by seven points. Yeah, well, Sydney don't win too many home games um, for some strange reason. But... um they, I thought they played a very good game uh, with a lesser side than than Collingwood has got, and uh, Collingwood did keep him in the game with a little bit of inaccuracy as well. But uh, I think you're quite right. It was a very spirited effort by Sydney, and I know that uh, their coach was quite pleased with their effort. He would have liked a different result, of course, but they've got, so they've got quite a few young lads there that are, are going to be good footballers down the track. And overall, I, I did quite enjoy the in the game. It was good. It was a good duel. Yeah, it wasn't a bad duel. Uh, Collingwood just ticking over nicely at the moment. Uh, on Saturday, uh, Hawthorne easily accounting for Port in the end. Port had a little bit of a, a run at it there for a while, but, gee, they looked hopeless in the first half, and in the end it was a comfortable 31-point win to Hawthorne, 80 points to 49 over there at the University of Tasmania. Yeah, well, uh, Port were totally incompetent, weren't they, early in the piece, and... Um, Look, they're, they're pretenders. They're not contenders. They're pretenders. Um, uh, Hawthorne, they're not. They're not going to win the AFL flag this year either. But they're, they're better than Port Adelaide. And uh, one thing that really stuck out to me in that game, apart from the fact that Clarkson's got—he's a good coach—and he even gets a lesser side to 
play reasonably good football. Uh, Henderson, I mean, we just, there's a guy that we delisted because we didn't know how to use him properly. And Hawthorne used it. They, they accept that he is uh, a non-tapper and he likes to be out in the open, but they use him in that uh, role and he's actually starring for them at the moment. Well, they're playing to his strengths, aren't they, Mac? They use him in that capacity, yep. Uh, and you can't uh, argue that he's not doing a job. He's uh, he's doing more than a serviceable job at the moment for them, and uh, I guess that says a lot for recognising a, a bloke's strengths and uh, utilising them. Anyway, uh, we then had uh, the Western Bulldogs going down to North Melbourne after getting back in, in front at the beginning of the last quarter, North rallying uh, probably for their now... Uh, ex-coach uh, and getting up by 25 points 115 to 90 in the end um, and not a bad game that one actually no they're not they're, they're actually two of my non-favorite teams to watch um, I never really liked watching either of these two teams um, but uh, I was pleased to see uh, Beveridge get beaten by North Melbourne footy club um, <laughs> I have no time for Beveridge at all whatsoever and no. uh, and the coaching situation will be something for Tuesday night to have a good chat about. Yeah, I was going to say, like, give me a brief thought about it. It's quite quite bizarre, really. Quite bizarre. Oh, I think, I think Blind Freddy would have to say that, and he he has he can say, categorically say that he hasn't got a job lined up, and I think he's probably telling the truth. Mm. Uh, but he knows that he will have one in. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm sure that at worst he could get a job with his brother. Um, he may twist it out for a season and go in the media, but he'll be back coaching. There's no doubt about that. And I think that he he wanted to get out and not ruin his record this, uh, any further this year. And um, I, I, I think that um, he's made a strategic move. Yeah, well, he's been there for nine years and... Uh... I think the writing was on the wall. He wasn't going to take him any further and uh, I wouldn't mind betting he shows up at St Kilda next year, actually. Good, uh, pretty good chance. Yeah, so anyway. Um, then we had uh, Richmond getting up over Essendon. Essendon uh, really struggling at the moment and without Danaher, you can't see them winning too many for the next uh, for the next month or two. Uh, Richmond getting up by 23 in a fairly low-scoring match, 73-50. to 50. Yeah, um, quite a good game to watch. Uh, I think any any game that Essendon's in is, because of the way they play, is always reasonably good to watch because of the fact it's not going to be a dour contest. And uh, the one thing about Richmond, um, they're, they're finding a lot of young blokes and I keep thinking to myself, why can't we get blokes to come and make the same impact? <laughs> one that comes to my mind is the young Liam Baker, um, who dominated on the weekend, and he's he's you know he's only, only a little pony. He's not very big, but he gets a, a lot of the ball. He tackles. He, mm. He's uh, got pace to burn, and they seem to pull him out the woodwork. But I wish we, wish we could pull one of those out the woodwork. <laughs> Uh, we tend to turn them into vanilla players pretty quick. Uh, we do, don't we? Geelong pretty comfortably over Gold Coast uh, in the end. Geelong 91 to uh, Gold Coast 64 by 27 points. Good tussle up to three-quarter time and uh, um, a lack of skill to some degree cost Geelong, perhaps, uh, not Geelong, uh, Gold Coast from leading perhaps even at three-quarter time. But in the end, uh, the class of Geelong prevailed. Yeah, no. and uh, today uh, we had the Giants happily going on their merry way, uh, Macca, 
Just sneaking up there nicely, 94 to 68 over the Ds. Yeah, um, good game, another good game uh, to watch uh, in terms of, as I said, I've often said the Giants are my second favourite team because I do like the way they play. And then so they should too. They've got a lot of uh, first-round players and high draft picks. Wow. Um, it was an MCG but- hoodoo. Well, they, and they faded towards the end of the game because they were up to about ten goals once. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but overall, still a good game. Yep. Um, oh God. I, I actually, why did I do this, Macker? I picked Carlton because I just thought they'd bounce back after that uh, horrible loss last week and the dressing down that they got from Patrick Cripps during the week. I thought, well, they might just sneak up on this one, but no. St Kilda getting up by 13 points, 68 to 55, and doing my tips no favours whatsoever. But, Fien, you are a bit of a drinker, you know. So, <laughs> so that probably affected your tip at the time. Let's put it down to that. You'd have yeah. a couple of whales when you pick, when you pick them. I'm just um, a friggin' optimist. That's what I am. That's a problem. No, I, I did pick the Suns. I, I could never pick the Blues because history says they don't win. And... Um, Look, they were they were competitive, but don't forget they were playing a side that's not very good. Um, uh, so I wouldn't be too proud of their their, their efforts if I were them. Um, look, St Kilda used the ball pretty well, and Carlton um, they, they've got a fair bit of talent of that team, but their usage of the ball is horrible, and, and they 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 just mess it up all the time. So um, no, look, I think I've changed my mind. I thought we might. Get a pick in the first four because uh, you're worried about that. You know, Carlton would win some games, but I'm starting to think that that number uh, one think, pick is getting closer. I and think closer. we've got it sewn up, mate. <laughs> yeah, I really do. I, I I can't see Carlton winning another game. They will probably, but I, I don't know which one. And then the last game that's only just finished, uh, Frio have come from nowhere uh, and beaten the Lions by a point in the end with a kick after the siren, I believe. Uh, Walters, a kick after the siren and getting up by a point, 73 to 72. And I did pick them too, yeah. Yes, I, I did pick Fremantle, so thank God for that. <laughs> Didn't take much of the game um, because I was too interested in the St. Kilda-Carlton game um, because I naturally because I want Carlton to lose. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, well done by Frio. The... They've got some talent there, and um, they, I think they're a developing team too. Oh, yeah. Uh, good effort by Brisbane to travel over there and uh, and push them. Uh, but I'm not too disappointed because it keeps them in touch with us, which is good. And speaking of the ladder, let's quickly go through the ladder while we're here. Uh, with all games finished now, we have Geelong, a game clear on top on 36 points. Then we have Collingwood, a game clear in second on 32 uh, three teams uh, on 28, pardon me, 28 points. Uh, the Giants, Richmond, both in the top four, and the West Coast Eagles just out of it. Then on 24 points by themselves, we have Brisbane uh, on 20 points. And in the eight, we have the Crows and Fremantle. And out of the eight, we have Hawthorne, Port and St Kilda. And then on 16 points, we have Essendon and Western Bulldogs. 12 points, we have North Sydney, Melbourne and Gold Coast and the poor old Blues <laughs> on the bottom with one win. So uh, we're still in the eight. It didn't, made... didn't damage us too much, Maka. It didn't damage us too much. It didn't, but look, uh, it did damage me psychologically because 
I'm a damaged individual because as a result of this game and watching it and uh, the team selection, the coaching, uh, the way we played, etc., and the way we can actually mm. chuck a game in. Um, at the beginning of the season, I looked at our squad and I thought, that's a squad that's good enough to go all the way. Yeah. At, or at least get very, very close. And yeah. I'm now starting to think I must have been delusional and been drinking like you when you picked Calvin. <laughs> well, we're going to ask some questions tonight. We don't have Nikki to interrupt us with her stuff. So <laughs> thanks, Nikki, if you're watching. Uh, so we're going to ask some tough questions tonight, Mac, because I think there's some tough questions to be asked. And let's get right into some match talk, shall we? Uh, yes, so the actual score was 10 goals, 13, Adelaide, 73, to West Coast, 13 goals, 7.85. So a margin there of 12 points after the Crows were comfortably in front by, uh, what was it, 33 points 33, at one stage? Yeah. Yeah, so thanks, guys. <laughs> Look, my impression, Macca, is that uh, we when, when when West Coast woke up in the second half, they had another gear, uh, and two things uh, killed us. Um, one was their dominance, or their, their uh, asserting themselves midfield. Uh, Vardy towed O'Brien up in the second half at stoppage, and um, Gaff really got off the chain, and Chewy also behind the ball really got off the chain. But what we saw in that second half, particularly in the, in the last quarter, Mac, was the difference between having effective tall forwards who can take a mark and ours who can't. <laughs> well, I was going to raise that particular point. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't believe that, well, um, Himmelberg took one mark for the day and I don't believe that was an overhead mark. Um and Walker didn't take any overhead mark, so... Well, I don't think Walker don't... put two hands up all night, Macca. Well, he also didn't put two hands in the pack where he should have either, too. He, um, I saw two players squib on the weekend. Uh, oh, Butters talk. for Port Adelaide, um, and the commentators, they didn't go ahead with their comments. They were starting to, and they just said, no, we won't say it. The picture speaks for itself. And, uh, well, I would call him soft as from now on, soft as Butters. Um, that was a terrible. He just squibbed it, and um, just a kid, Macca. Just a kid. He's got more excuses than Walker, the, uh, a captain of the Adelaide Football Club. And in that uh, third quarter, I think it was, uh, when Hearn was coming one way and the ball was there to be taken, he was there first. And he he actually jumped backwards from it. How, was, can, how can you actually forget Atkins in the squibbing uh, stakes, Macca? Did you well, not see him? I, did you not see him squib in the last minute of the game, or the last couple of minutes of the game? It I was see him disgusting. Squib every week. Yeah, I know. So how? Like, I, I was actually disgusted with Atkins uh, on the weekend. He is not a footballer. But anyway, we'll get to that in a moment. But yeah, look, I think we've got we're not balanced in the midfield. Uh, I, I felt like um, Ellis Yeoman tried hard. Um, and got a fair bit of the agate. I, I felt like Brad Crouch got a lot of the ball for not much return. Um, I felt like Sloan tried hard but didn't do a lot of damage when it mattered in the second half. Um, and the rest of them were pretty much non-existent. Huey Greenwood played a right around the ground, but at, at centre stoppage, and I tell you what, 
if Camparelli is still in charge of setting up those uh, centre clearances, he's an absolute dickhead because there were two or three times in that last quarter where we had no one defensive side and they were just running through. And it, it was it was as plain as the nose on your face that our setup was just wrong. Yeah, at one well, point, Riley O'Brien won a tap, Macca, and tapped it to where he would normally tap it. And we didn't have a guy there. Yes, I remember that. And look, you're 100% right, of course. Um, uh, the efficiency, if you look at, at raw numbers, our midfield got a lot of numbers and their midfield got a lot of numbers. And the difference, of course, is what they did with the ball. Yep. And, and uh, also the fact that we had a bit of a dominance in the first half and they had a major dominance in the second half. And uh, and then they, they also have a forward line that uh, moves around a little bit more than ours as well. So... Um, and they had options to kick to, like Kennedy uh, in particular, who I think was one of the match winners. But, um, yeah, look, you, you are right. The midfield was uh, – I still think the turning point the game came when Taylor made his shocking error um, and then followed up with giving away a free and then getting followed up with getting outmarked. And I think three goals I think, resulted in five minutes, and I think that he had a big hand in it. Um, but once that momentum started to shift, then the midfield just slaughtered us after that. And uh, But then we still had chances. Then remember, there was about three set shots for goal that our guys should have kicked? Yep. Uh, AFL, AFL players. Yeah, Lockheed, Murphy, Lockheed Murphy should have nailed his shot. He, there were, not only that one, but he also had a couple of uh, those on the run or snaps that, he, that I mm. believe he should have kicked. And, mm. um, and look. We are our own worst enemies, and as you say, with the, our midfield didn't use the ball very well at all, by comparison, and there was not much to like about it, really. You know, to, to be that far in front and then uh, just turn and serve up shit from that point on. Yeah. Well, there was some effort, but uh, the game was not. We didn't play it very well. Well, I'd say there was selective effort at times. Um, I said some effort. Yeah, uh, <laughs> even, even in the first. 10 minutes of the game, Macca, and I don't know whether you noticed it on the replay, the ball was uh, in our forward line deep in our forward pocket. Uh, the Eagles worked the ball clear and the ball got past Brad Crouch to his opponent who started running out of the, the back pocket. And Rory Sloan had to push Brad Crouch in the back to make him chase. Did you see that? I didn't no, you, I didn't. You go, back, no. you go back and watch the first five minutes and I'm going to record this and put it on... Tuesday Night Live, because it's uh, supporting my ongoing argument about Brad Crouch. Uh, but in the first five minutes of the game, Sloaney had to basically push our elite premier midfielder to chase his opponent out of the back lines. What's going on there? Well, that's not that's not very good. Um, and... Uh that's probably just one of the many many times when players didn't do what they should have done. Um, so, so I don't, I can't argue what you're saying, but I, I think there are just many times that, that players did did not do the right thing yeah. in terms of uh, putting in the effort. All right, let's look at the head-to-head stats, shall we? Uh, Adelaide had plenty of the ball: three ninety-five disposals to three thirty-five. Um, we kicked it a fair bit too, um, and. West Coast, uh, particularly in the second half when they got their chipping game going on, uh, they were almost a, a two-to-one kick-to-handball ratio uh, yeah. and they were able to move the ball quite effectively as a consequence. We handled a bit more. 
even so, 67 marks to 60. Uh, so I think, uh, interestingly, they were saying on the commentary that if West Coast get under 60 marks in a game, they lose. And they just yep. hit that. They just hit that sixty point. So that stat still holds up. Uh, massive tackling game by both um, teams. Ninety four to Adelaide, uh, hundred to West Coast. That's amazing, um, and it just shows you how much of a, a pressure game it was. Hitouts reasonably even, fifty one to sixty one in West Coast's favour. Um, <coughs> pardon me. Uh, we weren't very efficient in front of goal. Uh, 17 scoring uh, disposals per scoring shot. We like it to be around 12. Um, the clearances were even, 48 to 49. Uh, the rebound 50s were heavily in West Coast favour, heavily in West Coast favour, 33 to us, 49 to them. The inside 50s were heavily in our favour, Maka. 60 inside 50s to 48. Oh, no. Right, that's we're telling us. We're told, hang on, let me finish. We're telling a story here, um, and it's painting a pretty good picture. Uh, contested possessions were even 168 to 170. Uncontested possessions, surprisingly, oh, sorry, not surprisingly, Adelaide 220 to West Coast 149. It just shows you uh, how well or how efficiently West Coast use the ball and how they maximize their opportunity uh, with far less disposals. Um, disposal efficiency, uh, we were up at 67%, West Coast at 60%. Um, they beat us 10 to 6 in contested marks. We Surprisingly, we beat them 7 to 6 in marks inside 50, uh, but they, they were getting their marks from at 30 metres and we were getting our marks at 49 metres, I reckon. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, whilst the clearance situation looked bad in the second half for us. We actually won centre clearances 13 to 8 and uh, lost stoppage clearances by 6.35 to 41. So, look, mate, uh, a lot of the stats are in our favour, but it's that key key stat, it's that disparity between rebound 50s and inside 50s that really tells the tale, I think. Well, when you look at the stats, um, as you say, most of them are, are in our favour. Uh, free kicks weren't. Yep. Um, that was, that was, that's definite. Uh, tackles marginally weren't. But when you consider we had more of the ball and we had more inside 50s, um, you would think that normally uh, a team in that situ- in a situation would win the game. But um, at the moment, we've got a, a totally dysfunctional forward line. That's the only way to put it. It's totally dysfunctional. Yeah, it's not working, Mac. We had 18 tackles uh, inside 50 to 14. But the trouble is half the time when the ball was going in there, it was going in in such a manner that we couldn't... It doesn't actually allow us to to um, apply pressure because it's, it's just bounces straight out, um, particularly in the second half. I felt in the first half we went through a period there in the second quarter where we did exactly, we were playing exactly the way we wanted to play. We were we were getting the ball in forward. We were pushing up with our defenders, and we were locking it in there, and getting repeat inside fifties. That's exactly the way Don wants to play, and that's exactly what the conditions uh, needed. Um, but in the second half, it it just all fell away. Well, I think you described it perfectly because that second quarter was uh, a perfect example of what Pike keeps stating is the way he would like to play the game. Um, and we did it. I mean, we kicked, I think it was five goals to nil in that quarter. Yeah, um, that's right. 
and looked in complete control, Mac. Yeah, and I, I thought, you know, it was going to be a... I always knew that West Coast have always got a little bit of a kick in them, but I didn't think that they'd come back as strong as they did. But also I didn't think that we would uh, fade away as much as we did either. And uh, efficiency with the usage of the ball, um, I don't know how that rated, but um, with somebody like Gaff, for example, if he got the ball, which he got so much of it in that second half, he, he's deadly with his usage of the ball. And yeah. Um, and Shuey is, uh, he was bursting through, uh, straight down the, down the field and straight at, towards their goal, so which creates panic in the defenders. Uh, yeah. The, but where is, we, well, we just didn't match that at all. I mean, Gaff was, you picked it, Gaff was off trend. He had 75.8 disposal efficiency, whereas everyone else was sort of around about the 50 and 60 mark. Um, and, yeah, he, and Shuey just knocked up, he, he got. Game high, metres gained 767. Uh, I, I felt they used Shuey very well, Macca. They had him playing defensively, and uh, he just kept kept pumping it back out of that uh, uh, that defensive 50 for them. He's, uh, let me have a look at his rebounds 50 stats just quickly. Uh, yeah, four rebound 50s. Um, just uh, 11 clearances too for Luke Shuey. Played an excellent yeah. game. Yeah, um, he, they had Yo in the first half, who was uh, their, their number one man, yeah, and he was uh, a ball. you know, and then he he took over after. The, yeah, he is a very good player, isn't he? Yeah. And and I think he had something like fourteen or fifteen tackles. Fifteen tackles. Season. Jack Wren, yeah, fifteen a, tackles. Luke Chewy, ten tackles. I mean, they're big numbers. <laughs> massive big. numbers, aren't they? Yeah. Um, and in the end, I think. Uh, we, and we've just managed to help defeat ourselves again and uh, uh, um, and manage to get, uh, salvage a loss from a winning situation. Well, Mac, does it, are, are we a mediocre team? Are we are we a five to ten team? Uh, you know, there, oh, definitely the way we're playing at the moment. Yes. Well, yes. not just the what I'm just not talking about the way we're playing at the moment. Uh, two weeks in a row, we've been beaten by uh, decent midfields. Uh, Brisbane got a hold of us with their midfield last week, and West Coast this week. Um, and I don't think I think that something's got to change in that midfield. Well, the thing that's missing in the midfield is spark. Um, we've got um, Cam Ennis Yolman. I thought played a mighty game as far as he can with his physique and the level of pace that he's got. I mean, whatever assets that Cam ellis has got, I thought he used them to the max on the weekend, and I thought he was probably our best player. Yeah. Um, and then you've got um, Sloan, who had a not-so-good start, but got, as always, when the chips are down, at least he's one that always puts in and does more and more. Uh, Crouch got a lot of the ball, 39 possession, I think, off memory, uh, but didn't use it, as you say, as well as he should have. But the one thing we've got missing is that electric breakaway, and which uh, other clubs, some other clubs have, and the good sides do have. Um, and pace is everything in this game at the moment, and we don't have it. So that put that to me puts us back into that five to ten category. Well, we robbed Peter to pay Paul a little bit, and it worked for a little while when we moved Miller down forward to create a bit of a mismatch. Um, but, it, uh, you know, Cam and I on, on the Rev Up show, um, Mac, would talk, and I think we might have even talked about it on Tuesday night, whether 
it would be a good idea to actually go small on the forward lines. I think you might have actually mentioned it. I and, did. And uh, in, I, I, would have, I would have. In retrospect, Macker, it would have been the good move because that's what he ended up having to try and manufacture with having Miller down there. Um, uh, they they soundly beat our, our key forwards and we, and we desperately missed Tom Lynch uh, linking up. Um, Desperately. Yep. And, uh, yeah, look, we could have gone small, and I think Pipe probably regrets not going small, to be honest. Let's look at some individual stats. Uh, I want to spend some time talking about Brad Crouch. He had 39 disposals, 26 kicks, 13 handballs. Only the two marks uh, kicked behind, only the two tackles. Had eight inside 50s, eight clearances, two rebound 50s. Um, he had only the 10 contested possessions, so he played more as a first receiver sort of thing, uh, but only went at 56% disposal efficiency. He only had 22 effective disposals out of 39, Macca. Um He only had one centre clearance for the game. He had seven stoppage clearances, eight score involvements, four turnovers, and uh, gained a 607 metres. How, how far? 600. Talk to me about Brad Crouch. Well, I did watch him very closely because of your criticism of the previous week, and it's a combination of what I said and a combination of what you said. <laughs> so, um, he he doesn't use the ball as well as he should. I accept that. Um, he also does get the ball uh, given to him, and as you said, it was uh, a handball received, uh, and it's usually by some somebody's in desperate strife and. They transfer the uh, situation to Brad, who then does a, um, a big cow kick up in the air. So um, a lot of his kicks were forced and hurried because of the pressure that he was under. Um, but then it, just to back up your side of the story, there were times when he could have used it effectively and didn't. So I think it's a bit of both, really. I've got a bit of a theory building about Crouchy uh, because I think you're right, he does get a lot of receives from blokes in trouble. But what that, that incident that I described earlier in the, in the first quarter really uh, made me think, and I wonder whether the reason why Crouch doesn't, uh, doesn't get more uh, damaging ball in damaging positions is because he just doesn't work hard enough doesn't work hard enough to get himself into those positions. And it seems to me that Brad Crouch has always been a premier midfielder in whatever at whatever age group or level he's played. Mm. And it seems to me that you can get to that point and the game becomes pretty easy and you also get fairly creative about or fairly canny about doing the least amount of work that you need to. And I just wonder whether that's Brad's mindset at the moment because I saw him not work a few times uh, and he only laid two tackles for the game, Macker, in a game where we laid 94 tackles. He only laid two of them. Yeah, uh, I think I think the, the reason for that is that we, are, we do try to use him as a get-out uh, player in terms of the uh, pack, but we don't... He doesn't have that brilliant pace. That, I don't uh, think we try to use him that way. I think that's where he puts himself. Or maybe it's right. I, I can't answer that. I don't know what their plans are before the game, but it does effectively come to that quite often. So, uh, look, as I said, um, uh, some of the some situations, I, nobody could have done anything but a blind kick because he, he was about to get uh, hammered into the ground. Um, 
but there were other times when he could have steadied and could have done a little bit better. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a lack of balance in the midfield and it's, prob- it's probably personnel, to be honest with you, because I don't know how we fix it. Uh, we had Rory Sloan with 17 of 15 for 32. Uh, two marks, kicked goal, eight tackles, 10 inside 50s, nine clearances, one rebound, 50, um, 16 contested possessions, went at 66% disposal efficiency, six, center clearance, uh, six stoppage clearances, three centre clearances, six score involvements, uh, turn it over a little bit, Sloney, but uh, um, I actually like those numbers are far better for mine than Crouchy's numbers. Yeah, well, I, I as I said, I, I had Sloney as my second best player behind CEY. Um, and, and look, one thing you'll never ever be able to criticise Sloane for not putting in and for not putting in that extra effort. And with his little, he's only he's only. He hasn't got a big frame, but he's got a massive heart. And there's, if, if they all play like Sloney, we wouldn't get beat. Well, we don't want them all to play like Sloney because I think that's half the trouble at the moment, Mac. They're all playing in and under. Uh, we need some outside carries. Anyway, we'll get to that. <laughs> well, that's true. No, that part is true, yeah. Yeah, Ellis Yolman, I agree with you. I thought he was our best. He's, particularly in the his first half was excellent. I, I felt like he got swamped a little bit uh, late in the second half. Uh, but 11 kicks, 19 handballs for 30, 5 marks, kick 1 goal, 2, 10 tackles, uh, 8 clearances, 4 rebound 50s, <clears throat> pardon me, 17 contested possessions, uh, 6 stoppage clearances, 8 score involvements. Uh, a pretty solid game by Curly. He had a very good game. and um, I remember when he was... Uh, First drafted, he was, I think, went at some position like about late 60s. Ellis um, and he was rookie, wasn't he? No, he, I think he was draft pick about 67 or something like that. Um, it was very, very late. Um, uh, pick 31 in the rookie draft. Oh, no, that, no, sorry, that was his, sorry, that was his previous, uh, that was when we re-rookied him. Yeah, but I think originally he was about pick 67. Yeah. Uh because the reason I say that is because what's the name of the chap who, chap who was uh, drafting for us at that stage? Uh, Redden. The one that got the... Hmm? Redden. No, the d- drafting uh, in charge of... Uh, oh, David Noble. No. Um, the one that got the sack. Because he's supposed to have said something racist. Redden. Oh, Rendell, Sorry. Rendell, Rendell, that's it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Rendell, I was talking to Matt Rendell actually down there and uh, we were watching a trial match and it's pick 64 DSG tells me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Rendell said to me, uh, I said, what do you think of him? Do you think he's going to be any good? And he said, I'm telling you, he'll be the best number 64 pick ever in from an, uh, in an AFL draft. So um, it didn't look like it ever happening, but um, he is turning himself into a good AFL player at the moment. Yep, I'd have him in my best 22 at the moment, uh, Mac, without any shadow of a doubt. Uh, he's better than you think in close. He's well balanced. He uses the ball well. Um, so, yeah, uh, I like him. Uh, Roy Laird, um, don't know what to make of his game either. 28 posies, uh, 16 and 12, three marks, three tackles, um, two clearances. Uh, only the four rebound 50s for Lady. Um, 
only the six contested possessions too, win at 79% disposal efficiency, uh, seven intercepts. Don't know. Well, there's no doubt that the uh, 666 uh, rule has affected lead. There's no doubt about that because um, we always used to play one a spare back in the back and it would either be Smith or Laird. Um, but last year, of course, it was Laird uh, who was the loose man all the time and it made his game. That uh, he, he does read the play very well. He uses the ball very well. So he was the man, the man chosen to be, the, be the, the extra man and get the ball. And uh, now he's got to stand a man and get the ball. And uh, uh, that's not quite as easy. So I, I still think he's doing a reasonably good job. But uh, under the 666 rule, he'll never stand out like he did before. Yeah, I, I felt they uh, West Coast did really well at making Laird and also Keith accountable uh, and reducing their, Very much so, yeah. reducing Very their, much so. uh, their influence and their ability to get us out of, uh, out of defensive 50. Um, anyway, uh, Huey Greenwood... I felt played reasonably well. It sort of worked into the game, particularly in the second half, I think. 12 and 12 for 24, had 13 tackles, if you don't mind. Four inside 50, seven clearances. Uh, what else did he go at? 17 contested possessions. Um, what else? And seven intercepts as well. So I I felt he, he started slowly, but he certainly, as. As Ellis Yeoman slightly tailed off, I, I felt that uh, Greenwood worked himself into the game nicely. Yeah, I'd have to 100% agree with that um, because um, I think as the game wore on, he just got better and better. And uh, uh, those 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 big two big-body midfielders, they, they can't be criticised because that's their role and those two did their role very well. Mm. Uh, Smithers, I thought, didn't do enough. 15 and 7 for 22, four marks, only kicked it behind, only the two tackles, only the four inside 50s, uh, five rebound 50s, but we need him pumping the ball forward. Uh, five contested possessions, um, turned it over eight times as well. So I don't think it was Smithers' best game. How many metres did he go? 530. Well, that's down on what he normally does anyhow. So, um, uh, yeah, look, if he turned it over how many times? Did you say eight times? Eight times. Yeah, well, that's, that's not a good effort there. It does it does take it uh, a little bit away from your game when you do that. So he was he was handy, but, yeah, not much more than that. Yeah. Uh, Rory Atkins, very interested to know what you think of his game. 15 and 5 for 20. Seven marks, kicked goal, uh, five inside 50s, um, two rebound 50s. Uh, what do you have? Five contested possessions, which is surprising. People must have run into him. Uh, only when at, <laughs> at 65% disposal efficiency, uh, four score involvements, turned it over four times. Um, my view, Macca, is that he should no longer be in the team. Well, I would I would say that um, he hasn't got enough heart, and he doesn't put in hard enough. And if Gibbs is being dropped because he's not doing certain things, which we don't know what they are, uh, when we can see glaringly what Atkins uh, hasn't got, um, then I'd have to agree with you. Just doesn't do enough. His good is very good, Macca, but. He he cost you goals going the other way. 
He he costs you by not being involved in the game. I think one of the reasons why they were able to get off the chain a little bit is because they were able to dominate on the outside in that second half, and that's that's Rory Atkins's uh, responsibility. You know, you can't be expecting Ellis Yolman and Greenwood, and to a lesser degree, um, Crouch and Sloan, to be handling the the grunt work and also keeping them under control on the outside. That's what we've got Smith and uh, Atkins and Seisman and these folks. That's their job. And I don't think Rory Atkins is doing his job. Yeah, well, uh, I don't think anybody's going to argue too much about it. Uh, as uh, Brent says, uh, back says, a great second quarter of the rap when we were flying. So, yeah, when it's all running our way, he was uh, very damaging. But uh, for the rest of the game, he wasn't. And... Uh, uh, as I said, if there's other players that are going back to the twos because they've got deficiency in their game, well, he certainly uh, belongs back there as well. Yeah, well, and it's telling because he had most of his touches in the first half, Macca. I think he only had five, six touches in the second half, Atkins. Yeah, yeah. You know, and again, this is the thing. When the, when the game went up a gear and the Eagles put on some more pressure and started hitting the ball a little bit harder, Rory Atkins goes missing. And absolutely every time you can't. I don't know how he can walk into that change room and look his teammates in the eye because he's the most untrustworthy player in that team. <laughs> well, that's 100% agree with you. Well, I'm, I'm, t- I'm talking about it from the point of view of if you, if you were on Rory Atkins's team, Macca, and he dished up that week after week. Would you, would you look at him and go, Yeah, there's someone I'll kick the ball to in a, in a, in a tight situation, or there's someone. Look, I saw Rory Atkins squib on on Lang Shepherds. There was a, you know, that one where Gallucci delayed giving the ball to Eddie Betts in that far pocket, um, and they ended up stuffing it up. And Betts was dark on Gallucci because he didn't give the yeah, ball. Yeah, yeah, he should have given it to him. Yeah. Well, he couldn't give the ball, but the problem was that Gallucci was under more pressure because Rory Atkins squibbed on Lang Shepherd. If you yeah. go back and have a look at that that footage, Rory Atkins squibs on on Langer. He almost dodges the West Coast Eagles guy coming at him, you know. And if he'd have block, if he'd have put that block on Gallucci, would have had more time. He would have had to. He would have drawn that West Coast player to him, and the West Coast player was able to sag off because the, he had a teammate chasing uh, Gallucci from behind. But if Atkins had put that block on. Gallucci would have been free. The West Coast player would have had to push up. Eddie would have been free. The ball goes over and it's a goal. It's these little things that Rory Atkins doesn't do and actively avoids that make him, in, like I said, the most untrustworthy footballer in our team. And if I was his teammate, I wouldn't have an ounce of respect for him at all because I, I couldn't rely on, rely on him when the going got tough. Oh, look... Um Oh, 100% agree with you. You know, when I played footy, if I ever saw a teammate squib it, I would tell him straight out. I'd call him out on the spot, yep. out on the ground. Uh, because you can't play football that way because if, if somebody just doesn't... If you've got weak links in the chain, everything just bursts through it and you, you just need everybody giving 100%. Um, and uh, I did notice in the chat that somebody said, you know, he's not a final top player. Well... You never, you won't win finals with guys like that in there because of the fact that they will let you down at the at the crunch time. And um, I think you told me before when we came on air that uh, Atkins was on gaff. 
And because if that was the case, that Gaff absolutely dominated untouched. Mm. I don't know whether he was on Gaff, but uh, he's just one of one of the outside players, Macca, that needs to take responsibility, and he just didn't. Anyway, enough about him because I I don't know whether I can I agree, actually. I drop him. Well, I don't know whether I can continue to support the Crows while they're not actually making some hard decisions on some of these boats, and we'll get to one or two others in a minute. Yep. Uh, Jake Kelly, I thought was serviceable. You know, what you see is I what you he, get from no, Kelly. No, I thought he had a reasonably good, honest game. Well, that's what we ever. Well, that's all we ever get from Jake. We get a, a good, honest game, but I felt like a couple of times uh, he, like he just is a rabbit in the headlights when he's got the ball and he's got to make a decision. He, he finds it very difficult to to be decisive. Um, and I, there was one stage in the third quarter where the ball went out. And um, the camera panned to him on, I think it was Willie Rioli, um, and Kelly was on the chirp. And I thought, Jake, the last bloke you want to chirp is Willie Rioli in Indigenous Round. And sure enough, Rioli bobs up five minutes later. I did see that. <laughs> and I thought the same thing as you did. I thought, how. Oh, in fact, I pointed out to Mrs. Marker, I said, that's stupid. I said, why would you stir that bloke up? Because you get him firing, and he and he's dangerous. Mm. You know, but he was—he's like really mouthing off at him, wasn't he? Why? Well, and he does. That's that's Kelly's guy. He's a bit like his old man. Um, but anyway, so you know, I, I thought Kelly was serviceable. Um, I don't feel that he gives us much. I feel that he's a necessary evil at the moment, just because of his size and the way we match up. Yeah. But gee, I'd like him just to. I'd just like him to be a bit more decisive with ball in hand. But anyway, never mind. Uh, Eddie Betts ha- keeps having almost games. Um, kicked two goals, one at least. So he did hit the scoreboard. 17 touches, four marks. Um, but, you know, is he almost turning into a, a cameo of himself at the moment, Betts? He's not, well, obviously, you know, age, what is, he, 30, is he 32 or 34? Uh, I don't know. Keeps talking. I'll find out. Uh, he, Thirty-two. Yeah, I mean, he, Thirty-two. Yeah, um, I think age is starting to slow him down just a little bit. Um, but he he does have cameos within the within the game, and when he does have those cameos, he can do some magical things. Um, I thought actually on this this particular game, he had you know seventeen uh, possessions. He had a lot more involved than he has been having in some of the games as well, mm. and at times. If uh, other players had done things a little bit better, these results might have been even better again. So I wouldn't I wouldn't point the bone at Eddie because I thought that Eddie uh, Eddie he was a hundred percent trier. Oh yeah, uh, he, and uh, maybe not at the highest standard of the, that Eddie can produce, but still a, a reasonable standard. Yeah. Well, why why is it that uh, at his age, why isn't he being you know? Manager, he should only be playing 12 to 15 games this season, shouldn't he? Well, probably uh, it wouldn't be a bad idea perhaps to rest him when we have what on paper looks like an easy win. Yeah. Well, why did he play against Gold Coast? You know, um, why, why did he travel to Brisbane? I, look, I think, you know, players want to play every game. And, yeah, no, 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 it's not about whether he wants to play. It's about the man, it's their professional sporting organisation, Macca, and we've got two young lads who are kicking goals in the twos, in Stengel and uh, the other lad that I can't think of his name. 
Stengel's, Stengel's been lighting it up. And well, it's a ready-made replacement to give Betts a chop out. Why aren't we doing yes. it? Well, because we don't do it a bloody all. Um, you know, I, I don't believe that um, Himmelberg should have played this week. I was uh, advocating oh. on Tuesday that that definitely Himmelberg would be rested and uh, Jenkins had kicked six. Um, he had been asked to be competitive, which apparently he had been. Oh, why and would you put get... Jenkins in that game, Macca? What are you talking about? Well, what are you talking? Come on, back... what are you talking about? He is about as competitive as a, a bloody wet lettuce leaf, and you want him to come in against the best defence in the competition, aerially, and you think he's going to make a difference? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Take... No, uh, no, I didn't expect. That. But if you were going, it's before the game. Even before the game started, Himmelberg looked burnt, a little bit burnt out last week. And I th- you have a look at his stats, they're very, very poor. He, uh, I'm not disputing I- that, but why would you bring JJ in for him? He, yes, he kicked six goals last week, all of them on, on a lad that was 184 centimetres and three of them in the last 10, 15 minutes of the game when it was one. But it come, would come, on, come on, mate. No, it would mean, I'm not saying to get rid of Himmelberg. I'm saying it would be no, the mate. perfect week to rest Himmelberg. Yeah, There's I'm no not, dis- I'm not disputing that. that, but why would you play he Jenkins? up. I don't believe Jenkins would have gone any worse, and I believe he would have oh, perhaps mate. done even better. Oh. And I'm not a Jenkins fan, but I just, Mackie, I'm just saying you, what I think. I know that, you know, the memory starts to go, but it was only a few <laughs> it was only a few weeks ago that Jenkins played. Surely you haven't forgotten. Surely you haven't Look, forgotten. Said, Jenkins is I'm, not the answer. You maybe bring in Fogarty or maybe go small and bring in Stengel. But for the love well, of God, why would you want to bring Jenkins in against blokes like McGovern? Well, I, I've made it very clear that I would be trading Jenkins at the end of this year. Um, and to do that, you've got to play him some game so he looks like he's an AFL footballer. So, and we're not going to win the flag this year. So I, I would have brought him in for this game. Who? And uh, just to, Jenkins. Well, and if you're not going to win a flag this year, what's the bloody point in putting Jenkins in? To, get, to keep his market value up. Oh, it? bullshit. You, you, you know what will keep his market value out, up? What? Hiding him so that no one can <laughs> see how shit he is. Oh, you, you really hate the guy, don't you? you? Oh, no, I don't hate the guy. I've got nothing wrong. I've got nothing against the guy. I don't like the way he plays. And we've got uh, blokes like Fogarty in the twos who are natural forwards, right, and, and we're having to play them in defence to try and fit them in, like, why uh, wouldn't you play Fogarty? Uh, look, i tell you what, <laughs> the people in the chat agree with you. Um, look, that's just what I think. I, I would have actually played him um, because I don't believe he would have done any worse than uh, Himmelberg did. It would have given Himmelberg a rest uh, for a fortnight and we could have brought him back fresh again next week. Now, apparently, for some reason, no one can hear anything on YouTube. So I apologise for that. Those that have been trying to listen on YouTube, um, I will upload a copy of the uh, Facebook episode when it comes uh, when we finish, and I'll uh, replace what the hell is going on on YouTube at the moment. <laughs> uh, so apologies there. Uh, right now, where was I? Don't get me started on Jenkins. Fuck's sake. Okay. 
no, it's, honestly. Look, uh, it's, it's just an observation where um, yeah, but, I, know, I but, seem to be the minority. But, but Maka, we have you on here because we thought that you actually knew a bit about the game, right? And if you're going to start talking shit like that, then we're just going to hide you on Tuesday Night Live with Pete. Hey, All mate, right? I didn't pick Carlton to win. <laughs> Oh, God. Riley Knight, was he the right person to come in? I don't think so. No, no. I, I, Riley was the right person to have been dropped in the first place. Um, and look, if I had a choice between Gibbs and uh, Riley Knight, I'd be p- picking Gibbs. Yeah, I don't know. what well, I think that was a, a bit of a late-minute decision that wasn't very well thought through, actually. Hmm. Uh, uh, what did you think about the Gibbs omission in the first place? Uh, I thought that they were correct when they dropped him uh, the first time. And I don't know what it is that Pike wants out of him that he's not producing because at, I, I know that we traded for a star, but we, we haven't got a star. We've got a, um, a reasonably good football on our hand, but not a great star. And, and, you know, we paid too much for him. And I think we're never going to see a star out of Gibbs. Um, so I still think you've got to then evaluate what Gibbs brings to the table now mm. as against what Riley Knight brings to the table now, and I would have put Gibbs in before Knight. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, look, I probably wouldn't have played either. Um, I, I was actually really surprised that they, that Seedsman make, didn't make the original 22. Um, I was surprised by that, given he was uh, one of the better players in the twos the week before and we, and we needed a bit of outside run. It, it felt, I think Riley Knight... Coming in for uh, for McKay might have been a nod to the weather, to be honest. Uh, sorry, what did you say before McKay? Well, Riley Knight came in for DMAC, right? Oh, oh sorry, I thought you meant it said before DMAC. No, no, no. R- Riley Knight came in for McKay, and I think yeah, that, injured, that yeah. well, no, he was out. McKay was out with illness. He was a late withdrawal. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it actually might have been driven by the weather. I think they might have thought they needed another hard unit, and uh, I reckon Dima can make quite a quick recovery if he's not recovered already. Um, but I just think they jumped the wrong way on that. Interesting enough, we did, I reckon we did miss Dmac because um, you know Dmac he's about a nineteen twenty position uh, person in the game, but in those nineteen twenty possessions, he's usually got at least half a dozen bursts through the middle of the ground into our forward line, which creates uh, chaos for the defenders and gives the, their forwards an opportunity. So um, I, I think we missed that as well. Yeah, I agree with you. Look, I don't know whether Gibbs actually deserved to be dropped. I think there were some others that... that um... No, I don't believe he did. No, well, his numbers weren't terrible. Well, I thought his numbers were pretty good the week before and uh, I thought that he had corrected a lot of the things that we seemingly are... Uh, we were critical of. Um, I don't know what it is that Pike wants out of him. Now, people are saying they can't hear anything on Facebook either. So I don't know what's going on tonight. Uh, that's rather strange. Um, because everything seems to be working. Hmm. Anyway, we'll have to soldier on, uh, and I will upload various copies to various places at various times in at various points in the future. <laughs> oh, Macca, what a night. 
Um, all right, who else we got? Uh, Miller, I thought, did well in patches, uh, but didn't get enough of it when shifted back to his main role in the second half. Uh, did all right when he had that mismatch going uh, in the second quarter against uh, McGovern and Co. Caused him a few issues, but uh, did do enough in his uh, role. Yeah, that's, that's what I originally did call for, that type of situation. I thought that that was... I said to you, that, yeah, that's now Port Adelaide beat... Uh, uh, West Coast when they went over there to Perth. And, I just solved the sound issue, by the way. Oh right, um, and there's no doubt about it. In my mind, if we had gone, if we had gone a lot smaller, we would have done a lot better. Yeah. Um, but um, anyway, we didn't. No. <laughs> um, and a couple more. Uh, the other one I want to talk to you about is Tex. Just tell me about Tex. Well. <laughs> If he wasn't captain, would he be in the side? Well, I don't think so. He wouldn't be in my side at the moment if he wasn't captain because he's. I, I, we've played what ten games of the season, and uh, in that time, uh, he may have played what one or two that were of a reasonable standard. I think he's been very subpar most of the season, and 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 I, as I said, if he, I have no doubt if he if he wasn't captain. He would be be out of the side. Yeah, no, I don't think he's offering us anything, Macker, at the moment. Um, he's not offering us offering us anything aerially. Uh, he's hardly contesting. He's doing that stupid one hand up in the air stuff again. I don't know how long. I don't know how much longer we can actually cop it from Tex. To be honest with you, um, I know he tries. I know he's heart and soul. I know he has weeks where he looks really good when he's hitting up and taking the ball out in front. But the, those weeks are too few and far between. Hmm. I think for for for, the, for all the good those couple of weeks are, um, there's too much bad stuff. And, and what, he tends to get frustrated. I felt like he was very frustrated in that last quarter and did some stupid things as a result. Uh, are we going to have the nuts to drop him? I'm not sure. Well, this is only my thoughts, and I know it won't happen, but um, if Tex was to be honest with himself, he would actually go to Pikey uh, and just say that he is withdrawing from the captaincy and let just leave Sloan the one-out captain so he can concentrate on his form because he's not happy with his form, and that, that would also give the club the situation if he doesn't perform uh, adequately um, and then they would be at liberty to drop him. And I think that would be, uh, he would go up in everybody's uh, opinion totally if he did that. But at the moment, um, he's hanging on by a thread by the fact that he is the captain. And uh, look, he's coming towards the end of his career and he's not, you know, he's obviously not going to get better. Um, a little bit of honesty, I think. He should, he should withdraw from the captaincy and... Uh, keep his place or not to keep his place in the side on his form. Yeah, I agree with that, um, but I don't think it'll happen, Maka. Uh, I think he's got I don't too much. It will either. I think he's got too much pride, and I think the club are too heavily invested in Tex uh, to make that call. Um, but it's it's a real concern now. Our, we are subtly turning over our list at the moment. 
Um, you know, you've got Himmelberg having a run for JJ. You've got O'Brien in the run, uh, having a, a good run uh, with Jacobs being out. You've got Alex Keith asserting himself down back. You've got Lockie Murphy. You've got Chase Jones. You've got Jordan Gallucci, who I thought actually justified. How, how good is Jordan Gallucci below his knees, Macca? He is Excellent. absolute he is silk below his knees. Fantastic. Exceptional. But, you know, we're, we're subtly turning over the list and yet we've got these senior blokes with one or two exceptions uh, that are starting to get to the edge of the cliff and uh, uh, will will they actually hold back the development of these other kids? You know, we've got Darcy Fogarty sitting in the two. Who's a Tex clone, Macca? Let's be honest. He's a well, Tex clone and can't get a run. My sore point about the Crows at the moment is their handling of Fogarty. Um, Fogarty, when we got him at uh, draft pick 12, we were regarded to have got the bargain of the year and we played him in games last year and he didn't let himself down. I mean, he at times, um, well, he didn't dominate, but he didn't let himself down. He did some very good things for a young guy out of 18 playing mm. against grown men mm. uh, coming straight out of under-18 football. And... Uh, I thought he was going to have a real boomer of a year this year, but we then uh, played him in the twos in the back lines, and Nicky said that was to accommodate uh, Hill Burke and some other guy who will never play in the eight, uh, playing up forward to balance the side up. Well, you don't do that with a guy you get at draft pick 12. You, you develop that guy into the, the best player he can possibly be. And, uh, Isn't the whole idea really of the don't. twos? Yeah, no, I agree with you, mate. Isn't the whole idea of the twos is to play guys in the position you want them to play in the ones? Yeah, and look, he, we have got a situation where we don't have key forwards that perform, and this guy is going to be a key forward of the future. And it playing in the bloody back lines in the twos, just not on, just so wrong, and. Uh, to me, that you know, you wonder about this club whether it's good, how it thinks and and why it does things because it just, in my opinion, does so many things not correctly. Yeah, well, if if they don't if they don't actually make a move soon, Fog, Fogarty will go to another club. There are plenty. Yes, there are plenty of other clubs, and I tell you, the first club will be knocking on his door, and that's the blokes down the road. Well, they would love to know, have Darcy Fogarty in their team at the moment. Well, I can understand if he did leave us. That's the whole point. You know, we have. I don't believe we've uh, we've given him a fair chance at all. No, we haven't. Uh, well, what we the first thing we did was play him before he was ready, right? So we play him before he's ready, and you know he does a few little bits and pieces and, and shows a few signs and um, you know all that sort of stuff, but then. He, I think he got injured, didn't he, for a little while, and then he's back in the twos. And now we've got a, a forward line that is full of key forwards out of touch. We, we've made the hard call on Jenkins, right? Are we prepared to make the hard call on Walker? Well, you know they won't, but that's why I would I would, I would really like Walker because he's a guy. I think he's a very decent guy, and he must be well aware of the fact that he is not contributing and. Um, and he would be very conscious of all the criticism publicly. Um, so I, I would love to see the guy surrender the captaincy and, and put his uh, selection basis on the basis of form. Um, but as you said, I don't think it will happen, but I'd love to see it. 
The thing with Texas, everyone says, oh, you know, he's reaching the end of his career and all the rest of it. Taylor Walker's only 29 and spent a year and a half out of football with a knee and has mm. spent other periods of time out with foot injuries. So, you know, even though he's a senior player, he's only played 177 games, which for a near 30-year-old is not that many games. So by rights, physically, he should be okay. But... There's just some things that really worry me, and I go back to all the criticism that Neil Craig used to cop when they called when he called Tex lazy and all the rest of it. But Neil Craig was spot on, spot on with Taylor Walker, and we're seeing it now. Taylor Walker is a lazy footballer who relies on his natural ability, doesn't put in enough defensively, is not fit enough. Macca, he's not fit enough. Agree and. It's not a forwards arsehole because he can't take a contested grab. Exactly. I 100% agree with that. There's, not a, there's no argument for me at all about that because, um, you know, they've, you take West Coast. They've got Kennedy. They've got Darling. And then the Lee, uh, they've even got some clown with blonde hair who takes the mark in the goals. I've never seen the bloke before. Um, and uh, we've got nobody who can take a mark. No. Uh, Himmelberg uh, really struggled. I, I didn't mind the fact that they showed faith in him, um, but I think he confirmed that he needs a break. Uh, but I don't I, want I, think, I didn't think that. I didn't think they were being fair playing him, to be honest, because if, if he was struggling last week, um, Pike's logic was, and he said that to Jenkins apparently, that perhaps Jenkins spat the dummy in about the fact he didn't get picked this week. Yeah, and of course the fact he did. That it, well, apparently he did, and he pointed to the fact that he was doing what he'd been asked to do and that Himmelberg didn't perform last week. And uh, if in the reverse situation, he would have been expected to be dropped, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and Pike's answer to that was, well, if you'd been there and you had one bad game, you wouldn't expect to be dropped on one bad game either. So Pike, he did agree he did have a bad game. But I don't think Pike really thought about why he had a bad game. It's only because the guy's been... He's new to AFL football, which is rougher and tougher and harder, and um, uh, it would have done him very good just to have have that week off. Yeah, and even though he's a big fella, he still looks light. He looked light against the West Coast defence. Jeremy, Jeremy mm-hmm. McGovern looked huge over Himmelberg. He's obviously got some Loated, work to actually. do. Yeah, he's obviously got some work to do in the gym uh, yet, but he shows, he shows enough signs. Um, but I think... Jenkins spitting the dummy because he has one good game and can't get back into the team. Imagine how he's going to go when Pike listens to this podcast and realises that Fogarty is the obvious replacement for Himmelberg and leaves Jenkins out again. You'll well, be able, I, you'll I be able to hear the crying. You'll be able to hear the crying from here. <laughs> well, I certainly wouldn't be upset if that did happen. If Fogarty did get picked, because no. I, I do think that uh, Fogarty is the future and uh, hopefully with our club rather than treating him like a piece of crap and um, he, he must feel very neglected this year. Well, I would too. Uh, hey, look, we better wrap this up. But, uh, yeah, uh, Riley O'Brien continues to show promise, uh, 40 hit-outs and did a bit at ground level too, which I thought was all right. Lockie Murphy, again, another one of those high-effort, low-return situations, although he did hit the scoreboard. He could have been far more damaging. Uh, Chase, been, yeah. I think the Chase Jones in the Jones in the middle experiment was probably a little bit optimistic, uh, particularly against. Uh, see, 
The thing about West Coast is that they're all very mature bodies. They're they're hard units, West Coast, and probably the wrong game to stick Chase in the middle, I reckon, because he just got bullied around a bit. Yeah, he he did. Totally the wrong game. Um, And, look, the guy, he's he's a fantastic try for a young lad. I love him, love him. And he will be a star of the future for us, but it's not going to be this year. Um, I, I, I wouldn't even be upset if he just uh, if he went back for a game or two and then bring him back again when he just freshens up a bit. But uh, wrong game from you, quite right. Yeah, yeah. So never mind. Uh, all right. Well, given the technical difficulties tonight, Macker, and it's been a bit of a uh, been, been a bit of a struggle. I think uh, we might just wrap it up from here because uh, my computer's about to explode. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, before we have a breakdown, you reckon? Yeah, but uh, look, it was disappointing. Um, you know, we... Uh, I, I don't know. To, to round off for me, I mean, we've, who have we got coming up next week? It's uh, not an easy game again from memory. Uh, let's have a look. Who have we got? Uh... See, it's Melbourne at TIO. Um, yeah, up, up in Darwin. Yeah, Melbourne and TIO, and then GWS at Adelaide. We could uh, be another two losses down at the bye um, if we're not careful, because uh, we've yeah, got well, Richmond after that. There are actually two two Melbournes today. The uh, the Melbourne for the first um, mm. two and a half quarters was, was atrocious, absolutely mm. pathetic. And then, unfortunately, they found a bit of form towards the end of the game. So um, I was feeling pretty good about playing Melbourne next week. But um, then um, Goody's listing all the players that will be coming back next week. So, yeah, mm. it'll be a toughie. Yeah. Anyway, so, look, thanks to everyone who joined us on Spreaker Chat tonight. Uh, we do apologise for the technical issues that seem to befall us for no particular reason, Macca. Um, but I will try and get workable copies of uh, the cast up on Facebook and YouTube over the next 24 hours. Um, thank you, obviously, to Ryan at Smith Partners, who, if you don't mind, is just over at the Monaco Grand Prix this weekend, Macca. Poor bastard. Poor, yeah, bastard. poor bastard. Having a family suffer, holiday. In, suffer over there. <laughs> yeah, having a family holiday in Europe and uh, managed to get tickets through connections with the Shahins. Um, to uh, get to the Monaco GP. So good luck to him. We appreciate his help. We also appreciate the support of everyone who supports us on Patreon. Don't forget, if you want to support us on Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash AFLcrowcast or go to aflcrowcast.com and click on the Patreon uh, button that you'll find at the bottom. Maka, thanks very much. Uh, it's been a bit disjointed tonight, but we got there, mate, didn't we? <laughs> Oh, uh, look, we floundered our way through it, mate. And then again, so did the Crows on the week. Yeah, was, they, yeah, we'd probably reflect how they played on the week. We started strongly and then just kind of tailed off. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, keep yeah. the, the Crows to, uh, yeah. tradition up. So, uh, Yeah. All right. Well, look, thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, and we will see you on Tuesday night for Tuesday Night Live at 8.30. Yeah, good night, all. Good night, all. Yeah, good night, all.